AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast live on our Facebook channel, YouTube and Twitter and later on our podcast channel. If you're listening on the podcast channel, please remember to like and subscribe. Totally free to do, just means with every new episode we upload, you will get a notification to say it's ready to listen to or download and there is plenty of content coming up this week with it being 12 months since the Newcastle United takeover. As for today, it's going to be a positive positive podcast as an hour and we come into this episode on the back of Newcastle United finally picking up their second win I'm sure you guys are well aware and you've probably like me watched that Miguel Almiron volley on repeat I've also printed off uh, quite a few screenshots and posted through Gibbo's door just to remind him just how good Miguel Almiron is uh, I guess Aaron look Newcastle win 4-1 great performance across the field from nearly everybody if not all involved Yes, they were helped by the red card, but let's start with that strike from Miguel Almiron, a thing of absolute beauty. Yeah, an absolute glorious goal, and I think one that you know the Miguel Almiron fan club could celebrate, the likes of yourself being the, the chief member of it. But uh, yeah, look, absolutely fantastic goal. And I feel like he's listened to the podcast, and I feel like he's listened to us, and he's listened to myself in the last couple of weeks, slagging him off, not using his right foot, and he's just done that with his left foot and thought, that's for you, Aaron. I don't need to use my right foot when I can do that. But look, fantastic goal um, to cap off a fantastic all-round performance from him and the team. Um, yeah, just absolutely glorious and, and you know, long may it continue. We, we've said this so many times with Miggy over the last couple of months. You know, can he now kick on? Um, but look, he's clearly loving his football. I love the response of the players when he scored and the love that he clearly feels in that team. Um, so yeah, yeah, really, really positive. I absolutely loved it. Yeah, great goal. Great link-up play as well with Bruno Gumresh. I'm sure you remember that goal against Crystal Palace um, last season, wasn't it, when Almiron scored another absolute beauty with his with his left. That came from a Gumresh pass. Very similar, in fact, the link-up play. So it's great to see. It shows you the quality that Bruno Gumresh has. Just on Miguel Almiron, just want to read what Eddie Howe had to say about him. Of course, Almiron got a second and was unfortunate that he didn't get a hat-trick. Uh, third one ruled out offside. Um, but yeah, Eddie Howe on Miguel Almiron's performance, speaking to the BBC, he said, Miggy epitomises our team. He's been excellent, but not had the goals to match his performances. Today, he got the two and played really well. Um, and that sums it up perfectly. He's done everything but score goals, and yet he's nearly got as many goals this season in, what, eight or nine games as it's taken him in previous seasons to get you know the, the same kind of tally. Yeah, you know, the last two games have been quite frustrating for Newcastle, the, the two home draws. Um, and a lot of the criticism was directed at the fact, you know, Miggy and Fraser weren't doing enough in front of goal. And, um, you know, there was that lack of killer instinct. And look, he showed it on Saturday in, in absolute heaps. Um, if he can just continue with this, and, and as I've touched on earlier, you know, he, this is the question with Miggy is can he do it week and week out? Um, 
the, the the challenge for him now is making sure he doesn't revert to type and next week having a stinker against Brentford. It's making sure he uses his confidence um, to kick on and, and really cement his place in this team because, you know, as much as we're praising him, he was fantastic on Saturday. We need to see it, you know, more from him. Well, there's two points there I, I want to pick up on. The, the, the consistency factor, that, that goes for Newcastle as a whole. It's really important that... We, we look at this game perhaps in a little bit of isolation and then we don't get ahead of ourselves and think, oh, well, Brentford are next, Newcastle, or we'll just push them aside. You know, it's important that um, it, we look at Newcastle trying to get these performances and these wins on a consistent basis, um, as it is for Almiron, as it is for the likes of St. Maxim as well, to continue to, to press on. It's, it's really important that they, they get that. And, um, I mean, there were other players that stepped up, though, as well. Um, before we talk about them, I just want to ask you, what goes through a player's mind when the ball drops like that and he hits it? What do you think goes through their mind? Because, you know, you would maybe say nine times out of ten, that's ended up in the stands. You know what it is? When I when I was watching it and, and I saw the ball fly in the corner, I thought, oh, he's hit that with his right foot. The way Bruno would lob that ball over, I thought, oh, you know, he must have struck that across goal. How he's managed to do that with his left foot and flick it in the top corner, I'm, I still don't quite understand it. Um, and I think for a player like Miggy, as you say, you know, nine times out of ten, that probably would have ended up in the stands or going wide. But look, absolutely fantastic technique. It, we've seen he can do it. He did it against Palace, beautifully taken goal. He's you know he's got himself, um, you know, another contender for goal this season here at Fulham. So um, yeah, look, absolutely fantastic. Now, we've had, or rather I've been quite critical of other players in that side, Sean Longstaff and, and uh, Joe Willick, to name but two. And it seemed like everyone that I'd said needed to step up to the plate on Saturday stepped up to the plate because, you know, Longstaff comes in, he could have had a goal before the sending off, he grabs a goal after Botman's header hits the post. And then you've got Joe Willick and it's, that performance where you go, that's why Newcastle paid all that played all uh, paid all that money. But again, it goes back to what we've just said about Almiron, what we've just said about Newcastle. It's about consistency and just keeping things on the ground. That's one performance out of you know the last ten, eleven, twelve, where he stepped up and showed why he's worth all that money. Uh, we need to see more of that from Joe Willick because you know two assists, he could have had a goal himself if Wilson um, hadn't uh, nicked it off him. He was he was brilliant. Yeah, look, I, I'm convinced that the players, when they're travelling to these away games, stick the pot on and just hear us slagging them off and think, today's the day we're going to kick it on because we've been really critical of Willick and Longstaff in recent weeks for not doing enough. Willick especially, um, you know, when he was sort of playing as that as the furthest forward midfielder. Um, and myself and Lee Ryder were talking a couple of weeks ago about the fact that Newcastle paid all this money from after that amazing loan spell and he'll never, you know, recreate what he did with those seven goals in seven games um, and look that might still be the case but Saturday was a real improvement I thought I've thought this season that he looks fitter I thought that in, in the first couple of games I thought he'd stepped up his fitness and I think that was Ocho on Saturday he was driving forward you know really making um, clever runs you know a real killer instinct on the ball some great assists getting himself in the right areas as you've touched on and as we've touched on before with other players, this is just about making sure that they're doing this on a regular basis. For Willick, I think we saw last season, or sorry, the season when he signed on loan, once he gets a bit of confidence, once he starts scoring, once he starts getting assists, he, you know, he's, he's unplayable. And, and now, 
that he's had as arguably his best game in Newcastle shirt for a long time. Hopefully, this is the catalyst for him to now kick on because it's it's going to be tough for him when Bruno and Joe Linton are both fit, when Shelby comes back. You know, he's one of those that are teetering on the edge of losing his place in the team. How was saying on Saturday that Longstaff's knocking on the door for a place. Willick now is really the time he needs to step up because it, he, he's sort of come to a crossroads where he could quite easily find himself out of this team if he doesn't back up that performance that he had on Saturday. What I liked about his performance, there was there was drive and there was enthusiasm and there was a want, a desire to go forward, to create things. And we haven't seen that from him in a very long time. And, you know, everything seemed to click from Wes against Bournemouth. The ball was just bouncing off him here. Uh, it was seemingly sticking to him and he was picking the passes. He was, But he, he was following on as well, which we haven't seen from him too often. You know, that's why Newcastle paid all that money because when he first came to Newcastle and scored all those goals, he was picking the ball, he was passing it and then he was running into the box and that's the defenders couldn't handle it because he was late arriving, he was getting these goals and, we, you know, it'd be good to see him get on the score sheet in the next couple of weeks. But I think they're just a little bit of a reminder of what he can do and why maybe Eddie Howe is sticking with him. But again, goes back to that key word, doesn't it, of consistency. Um, a lot of love for, for, for Almiron in, in the comments from our viewers who are watching live. We've got Sean here saying, class from both Miggy and Bruno. Uh, they link up together. They know how to play off each other. And uh, a, a good result to hit Newcastle up to seventh. We've mentioned there, Longstaff, you know, he'll be well aware that... There's uh, John Joe Shelby's nearing a return, and you know Eddie Howe really does seem to like John Joe Shelby. You had Joe Linton yesterday, didn't start because Eddie Howe wanted to protect him from the injury he'd picked up uh, after the Bournemouth game or during the Bournemouth game. So a lot of options for Eddie Howe in that midfield role, and also probably still the need, despite this great result, to go out in January and and, and probably upgrade slightly as well. Yeah, I think so, and I think this is where it falls on the likes of Willick to say. You know, you don't need to go and buy James Madison because I'm going to have an absolute stormer. This is up to Longstaff and, and Shelby to say you don't need to buy a deep playing midfielder because we can do the job. Um, so look, there'll be that internal pressure. Players know that January's coming up and, you know, the media, you know, whip up the speculation about where they need to sign players, where they don't. Um, but look, yeah, when they're all fit, I think, you know, there's, there is depth there, great depth, Longstaff. On his day is so, so good. We saw it on Saturday. We saw it against Arsenal and Burnley towards the back end of last season. Um, it's just making but, sure but this that is they... the key, though, isn't it? And I, look, we said it was going to be positive uh, podcasting. It, it is, and it, it, it will continue to be. But I think that's the difference between having a top-level Premier League, Premier League midfielder, someone like Bruno, for example, where it's one in ten games are mm. bad games. Mm-hmm. Whereas with the likes of maybe Sean Longstaff, with the likes of Joe Willick, it's the other way around. It's one in every 10 games are good games. And we that is the difference. And that's where if Newcastle want to reach the upper levels of the Premier League, if they want to be going for the top eight and then top six and Champions League qualification, then that is the difference. It is someone who is consistently performing at a high level. And then even on a bad day, it's still better than the average Premier League player. So... I think it's really important that we we keep grounded and, and we don't you know start you know saying we've got a, a, a future England national here in, in, in Longstaff or you know will it could somehow surprise and maybe keep out X Y Z out of that England squad in the World Cup because it's not going to be the case. It is positive that they've stepped up, 
but they're only as good as their last game. So against Brentford on Saturday, if they fall to type, then we'll be here on Monday saying, well, what happened? How can you go from such a brilliant performance against Fulham to such a poor one against Brentford? Yeah, 100%. And, and we're not obviously just sitting here saying, that, look, they've had this amazing game at Fulham. Um, and all of a sudden, they're going to be you know, keeping the likes of Madison and, and whatever out of, of, of the owner's plans. And I think, obviously, as you've just touched on there, as the standard grows and as Newcastle grow, eventually we'll see players like Willock becoming a fringe player and, you know, being a good option off the bench. That's what teams do when they get, you know, takeovers such as this. It's a gradual um, thing where, you you know, your former key players become your fringe players. But I think for right now, I think for where Newcastle are now, how, how really rates both of them. I think other managers would have given up, especially on the likes of Sean Longstaff over the years. Um but for where Newcastle are now, for games like that, for opposition like that, the way they play, I think Willick and, and Longstaff, it was a good decision to keep Longstaff. And I think Willick, you know, he's he's doing something right behind the scenes to, to keep, you know, he's keeping Anson out of the team. Um, he's starting pretty much every game under house. So, as, as we said, and it's just feel like this is going to be the title of the podcast, it's just consistency. It's just making sure that they do that, you know, you know in the next couple of weeks. I think what gives Newcastle an added boost is that you did have Almiron scoring two. You had Sean Longstaff getting a goal as well. Players who have criticisms aimed at them, and one of them is they don't score enough goals. So to get them both on the score sheet with Brentford next up, a team that okay are doing quite well this season, but one you'd you'd, you'd hope Newcastle would fancy themselves against at St James's Park. You know that sets that ball rolling and. Same with Joe Willick getting a couple of assists because that was a big criticism of his game. Was where's the where where are his assists? Where are his goals? Okay, he didn't get on the score sheet, but he you know obviously nearly did. You know, it's not just a good performance. There's been goals and assists to go with the good performances, and I think that's so important going going into these runner games ahead of that World Cup break. Definitely, I mean, you look at the last couple of weeks. Obviously, Isaac found the net against Liverpool. He found the net from a spot against. Uh, Bournemouth but apart from that you know the last four or five weeks without Wilson it looked like Newcastle were just going to never score that's been the big criticism of Miggy and Fraser that they don't do enough in front of goal Bruno obviously last season had a goal from midfield but we haven't really seen that on a consistent basis from as you say Willick from Joel Linton from Longstaff um, which is why you know the rumours will keep circulating about them going out and buying a goal scoring 10 like Madison and other players but really, really positive, and and as you say, key period now. Lots of games in October, November for the World Cup, where he's going to be wanting to wrap Callum Wilson up in cotton wool, um, and 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 they're going to need goals from elsewhere if 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 Wilson and Isaac, you know, aren't firing together. And we'll get on to Callum Wilson because some big news as well coming out of Newcastle this morning. But just on um, Joe Willick, where's that type of performance been? I mean, we, we saw it, didn't we? We saw it in absolute, you know, bucket, bucket loads when he first signed, when he was in under Bruce and he had that amazing loan run. And then since then, it just seems like it was a completely different player, which is weird because actually, you know, he's one of the players that did better under Bruce than did it better under Howe, really. So look, I, I don't know where it is. Um, he seemed like he'd settled in. He's getting a lot of game time. He's clearly well-liked in the squad. I don't know why it's not working for him. But every, every now and again, you just get these glimpses of why they paid £25 million for him, why he was at Arsenal for all those years. And Saturday was like that. So that's the big 
you know, bugbear with Willick is why can't he do that on a regular basis? But it's the same as Miggy, it's the same as Longstaff, it's the same as other players in the team. Um, and this is why Newcastle just aren't at that level yet where they actually can compete with the top six. Mm. Now, before we get on to the rest of the pod, there is a big Newcastle United survey to mark 12 months since uh, the, the takeover. Aaron, if he's quick enough, will throw the link to that survey into the comments. I'm keeping you on your toes here. Mm. Um, and if you guys can just take five minutes, I think there's only about five or six questions, just to fill that in for us, and we'll get a nice rounded picture of how you guys have uh, you know, taken on the takeover in the last 12 months, or rather the new owners, and what you want to see going forward as well. So there is the link there. That's the, the data.reachplc.com. Not the sexiest of uh, links <laughs> there, is it? but um, do click on it, and it'll take you to a nice survey. Fill that in. We'll appreciate it, and then we'll get down to the results um, next week sometime just to, to see how you guys have yeah, handled the new owners. Um, so Newcastle won 4-1. It's fair to say that we were very pessimistic about this game. We were speaking in the office after last week's episode. Um, our colleague Kieran Kelly came in before he caught the train down to London on Friday, and we, me and you both said to him, I, I can see Newcastle losing this game. And I, I honestly did feel... I thought we're going to get the better of Newcastle and we'd be sitting here today just just down in the dumps. It it did feel like that. It felt they'd, they'd had such a poor October and the fact that they hadn't played many games. They'd had two really disappointing home results. Fulham, you know, haven't done too bad this season. There was that Mitrovic angle where you thought he's nailed on to score. Um, we didn't know how many players were going to be fit, you know, the likes of Bruno and such. So, yeah, I'll admit, you know, there was... Before the game, I wasn't too um, confident. I think, I'm not going to say there was pressure on Eddie Howe because there wasn't, but we heard the smattering of booze against Bournemouth. We've heard the sort of whispers of, look, it's only one game in seven that they've won. I think for him, it was a big win. Um, it was a massive win because it was yeah. the difference between having a decent start of the season and having a poor start to the season. Yeah. yeah, and I think you look at the table now and they've had you know this huge win and now it, the whole landscape changes of actually looking at it well look they're in seventh they've only won two games but they're in seventh really good start best start in x amount of years um so it's just lifted i think it's lifted the mood in the team how sounded a lot more <laughs> calm than he did or, or sort of relieved the other day when he was speaking after the game compared to recent press conferences where you could tell he was just a bit frustrated at how the season had went um and look they got fortunate in the in the sense that fulham were down to a, a man but we saw them dominate against Palace, admittedly with eleven men. We saw them dominate against Bournemouth, eleven men, and they couldn't find the net. And they've, you know, they've done the job. Yes, they only had to beat ten men in Fulham. Where Fulham made it so easy. Let's not pretend Fulham give it a good go. They were awful um, from start to finish. I think even with eleven men, Newcastle would have beat them. But it was crucial that they actually got the job done. And I think to get it done in such a good manner with four goals. Huge boost for everyone. Not easy to to always win against ten men, but it was. Well, I mean, look at Villa yesterday. Yeah, Leeds really, really struggled to break them down, and and Newcastle, you know, made it look easy. I mean, a certain red card for me, very late challenge, and yes, thank you, Sean, there with that comment, just saying that on the podcast with Gibbo, I said Newcastle were going to lose. I've just said that, and I'm not, I'm not hiding away from the fact I, I felt Newcastle were going to lose, and I'm over the moon to be proved wrong. Um, it was though. It, it, I, I, I was. I think it. I think it was a, a must-win because I see. I think the balance was there between it being a, a good start and a poor start. Now, the start eleven made for interesting reading. 
you know, Botman back in, Target on the bench being in as well. Um, what did you make of of the, of the starting eleven when you when you first when you first saw the team sheet? Yeah, it's it's sort of a recurring thing now that how is asked about injuries in this Friday press conference. He says, "Oh, X is out, X is out," and then you get to the Saturday and you actually realise that he's just left a couple of names off that list. I don't know if that's mind games or or what, but there wasn't really any inclination that Target was going to be missing until sort of a couple hours before kickoff when you know we we sort of started hearing that he might miss out. Dan Burnett left back. I, I can't get over someone how someone that big and tall can play at left back so effortlessly. I thought he's brilliant. Sven Botman for me, he's just so good, isn't he? I mean, he didn't have too much to do, but he just looks as if he's been playing in that team for years. Do you think? I mean, what, did did how give any reason into why he he kind of he rested or dropped target and brought back Botman in? Do you think the fact that Botman it withdrew himself from the twenty ones and said, "Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, spend the, a couple of days doing a bit of extra work." Do you think that played any role in, it? or do you think every change that he made to that team was very much tactical and based a, around the threat that Fulham carried? So, I mean, what we've been hearing is that Target has been carrying a knock ever since, you know, ever since he missed those two or three games earlier in the season. It looks like one that he hasn't been able to shake. You know, we started to hear about one or two hours before kickoff that he might have him and Joel Linton might have failed a late fitness test. Um, Joel Linton, it looks like, hasn't trained, you know, very often during the, the international break. Um, so I think it was probably a case of he, he doesn't want to rush Target back in. Um, if he's got any doubts about him, obviously we saw on Saturday that he didn't he didn't bring Joel Litton off the bench. He brought Target on for a little bit. But look, he's got that option now. You know, we were talking about Paul Dummett and Jamal Lewis at the start of the season. Forget those two. It's all about Dan Byrne now. He's proved he can move across to the left. And actually, I feel like we want to see Botman. We want Botman to get up to speed sooner rather than later. And we know that he's very unlikely to play Botman alongside Byrne. So it's actually target being out has actually boosted Botman and has given us a chance to see him when we otherwise probably wouldn't have. Mm, definitely. And I mean, the one probably negative aspect of, of Saturday's result was the goal they conceded later on. And you maybe saw, you know, the effects of Jamal Lewis not really playing that often because he just let his man run. Pope was then caught in Norman's line. And I guess that is what happens when you are, you know, introduced to a game where you're spending the most of time attacking and also you this is your first Premier League test Premier League action and, and, and goodness knows how long yeah I'm disappointed to concede in that manner so late on when they'd been you know so assured at the back but as you say he made three changes at the same time to his defence he changed his entire defence apart from Botman um, for the final few minutes so you could understand that they probably weren't up to speed with the game thought it was poor from Lewis to lose his man like that at the back stick Botman was fuming with him you know, we've seen the sort of replays of Botman, you know, punching the air and, and shouting at his co-stars, which is really good to see. You know, it's it's often talked about how you know defenders take their clean sheets as serious as strikers take their goals, and you could tell that there was a real frustration from Botman that they hadn't managed to keep Fulham out. So that was the only disappointment and the only negative from Saturday. I thought is that they couldn't just see it out without conceding at the end. That's what you want, though, isn't it? That's what you want. You want someone to be you know, screaming and hollering within reason and when it's right to do so, you, you say what what needs to do. And that's one of Jamal Asel's, you know, biggest pluses is that he's not afraid to to, to shout when it, it, it needs be. And you, you need that kind of communication, especially at the back line. So it was fantastic to see. Let's talk then about Callum Wilson back in the squad after missing 
quite a few weeks through injury. He was probably ready to feature against Bournemouth, but a late call was made just to save his legs and, and get him ready for this game. And he gets a goal. Same old Callum Wilson, always scoring. Honestly, I mean, uh, you know, I wrote about it on Saturday. It feels like no matter how many injuries set him back, you know, he's a hamstring injury after hamstring after hamstring injury, he comes back and he's, it's as if he hasn't been injured at all. I mean, he took what? He took 12 minutes to get on the score sheet the other day after missing four games. I mean, he's he's just unbelievable. We, we, we praise him every week on this podcast, rightly, because, you know, he already ranks among the best strikers we've had in recent years and he's been so blighted by injuries. It, it's, it's such a wonder that he is held in such high regard, but fantastic striker he makes his team look so much better when he's in it um and I was really glad that he got took off the other day when he did because I just thought I was I was sitting there at half time thinking just take him and bring him off now the three and up just just wrap him up don't use him until Brentford but good to see that he got you know about an hour on the, in the tank and uh and that he didn't want to come off as well real clinical touch his goal sort of reminded me of the goal that Joe Linton didn't score and I can't for the life of us remember who it was. I think it was in a cup game, and there was a, there was an effort towards the back post, and and Jolinton needed just to kind of touch it in, but he let it go. Rochdale, was it Rochdale? Well, maybe. Sure, maybe there was there was one instance when Jolinton was being used as a striker. I remember those days, <laughs> and uh, he just he just he just didn't want to get on the edge of it. And maybe hit the post and came back out, but if he touched it in, it would have gone in. Mm. And that's what you've got there with Callum Wilson. You know, that. Probably, probably was ending up in the back of the net, but he's just just made sure because that's what that's what the best strikers do. They're not going to pass up an opportunity like that, are they? Oh, 100. And I mean, if we know Callum Wilson, he loves nothing more than scoring goals. Um, that's what we're missing. You know, he's ruthless in front of goal. Maybe that's what we haven't seen from Isaac so far. Even though he scored two goals, it's just that different player, different yeah, styles. Yeah, though. and I just think, but I just think Callum Wilson isn't is just if he's anything, he's just a finisher. That's like he's just. Put him in front of goal, he'll score. And and I'm just not sure we've seen that from Isaac yet, but this is what I mean. Wilson is just such a credit to have. And, and obviously we've heard today that, um, you know, he, he has triggered a new deal at the club um, over the summer. Is that a risk? Now, I, know, I get what you're saying. He is fantastic. And when he's fit, there are a few better strikers than him in the Premier League. But I, I think we'll, we could well be sitting here in, you know, just before the World Cup, even perhaps, and be saying, you know, he's picked up another injury. He's out. I don't think it's a risk. I think as long as Callum Wilson keeps doing what he's doing when he comes back from injury, I mean, what we're used to it now, he's been here, what, two, three years. We know he's going to get injured. We we talked about it all summer. So you've just got to take that. You've just got to, you've, I feel like Callum Wilson is worth having in your squad for 10, 15, 20 18 games, games a yeah. season. Of 19 games a season, sorry. Knowing that he's full well going to miss the other half, but he's still going to get you double figures every season. He'll hit double figures this season, touch wood. Um, but then, and, and he'll miss, and he'll miss more games than he plays. But th- this is why Isaac was so crucial. We we talked about it all summer, even at the start of the season. They needed an out and out striker who was as good, if not better, than Wilson, so that when he misses out. Isaac's there. But the issue is, and sorry to go over old, old ground, is that when Callum Wilson's not there, Eddie Howe is 100% sticking to the formation that benefits Callum Wilson. So yesterday, you could say, oh, he's been justified for doing that for the last few weeks because Callum Wilson slipped straight back in. But then if Callum Wilson is missing, you know, four or five weeks every two or three months of the season, then 
and you're playing a strike either Chris Wood or Isaac who does, they don't look suited to that formation then at some point you either have to sacrifice Callum Wilson or you have to sacrifice the formation and just say when Callum's fit we'll see what's working we may bring that formation back because to get the best out of Chris Wood you need to get them balls in the box and I think to get the best out of out of Isaac, you have to play a different formation where it's not necessarily running the channels because I, I, I don't think he showed that he could do that too well in the games he's, he's featured in. I think I think Chris would. I completely get your point. We've seen it doesn't work with him, and how's reluctance to change that system has probably you know been a detriment to Chris Wood. But I I think with Isaac, he's still very raw. He's just came to England. He's and I think Eddie Howe keeps stressing in our you know press conference with him that he's still learning how to play the team and the team are still learning how to play with Isaac. So I think over time he might be able to fit in this system and I think it works. And everybody else, it works with the midfield three, the midfielders we've got. It works with Maxi when he's fit. It works with Miggy on days like Saturday and Trippier as well. I think this system works, so I'd, I'm not too against him changing it. I do completely get your point, but I just think it, we need a little bit more time to see Isaac. I, I can before. see Isaac potentially fitting in on one of the wide, the wide roles. And this is what makes Almiron's rise to form so interesting because I think at the start of the season, if you'd said, all right, you're going to have the choices between Almiron, Fraser Murphy, St. Maximin and Isaac, you would have then probably said, oh, well, okay, yeah, you play St. Maximin on the left, Isaac potentially on the right, and you let Calvin Wilson run the channels. And then maybe every so often you switch it around in the sense and, you know, you put a winger on, take Callum Wilson, let him rest. But now you've got Almiro on playing his best football, looking like a goal scorer, doing everything that, um, f- you know, only a few of us thought he could do. I'll take credit for that. Um, <laughs> and then you have St. Maxman, who is just St. Maxman on his day. Very few people can stop him. And Callum Wilson also scoring goals. So it, it's interesting to whether, you know, I mean, if, if Isaac is fit for Saturday, and we, we, we'll wait and see what he has to say, and as is St. Maxman, who starts? Because, it's, I mean, it's a, great, it's a great dilemma to have. Oh, it's a, huge, it's, a, it's a massively positive dilemma to have. It was why, you know, the club have went out and bought two, well, you know, they've bought a striker that's as good as Wilson, so that they've got this option. If you're asking me if, if Isaac's fit Saturday, I think, I think he starts on the bench. And I think... I don't think there's any any chance Eddie Howe, the safest man on the planet, risks playing Isaac out wide with Wilson when he hasn't tried it. You know, they haven't been fit at the same time for one. They've probably never they've probably trained together a handful of times if that. Um so I think for the next couple of weeks it would be hard for Isaac to get in a, ahead of Wilson. I think that's a and you know, no one would have any complaints about that. Over time we might see him starting to get used on the right, or does he play him up front and just or does he play him on the right side, but he has him moving infield when Trippier's bombing on? I, I'm not so sure, but, you know, it's a good, it's a very, 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 very good option to have when they're both fit in the next couple of weeks. I, Anderson got a bit of game time on Saturday. Good to see him back from that little knock that he'd taken. Obviously signed a contract um, as well. What did you make of his, his role on Saturday? Yeah, good. Good to see him getting, you know, a, a good chunk of game time in a game that probably suited him in, this, in the fact that Newcastle had a lot of the ball. Real, real shame that he got injured before that Bournemouth game because you felt, you know, all the momentum before that was building up to him actually starting. Um, 
but I don't think it's too long before we actually see him, you know, starting from the outset. Maybe not against Brentford, but I think definitely before the World Cup, we'll see him, you know, thrown in from the start, um, either in that midfield three or, or down on the flanks. But yeah, look, he hasn't put a foot wrong all season, and I thought it was the same on Saturday as well. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. So let's just go back to Eddie Howe. This is what he had to say at the BBC Sport after the game. It's been a long time coming. We had a long wait for the second win of the season. Right from the start, we had a good feeling with good energy, created chances early on. The red card made it easier, but I'm very pleased with the players' response, their attitude. We wanted more. Uh, we weren't happy with what we had and always we were always trying to score. It's been difficult two weeks. Obviously, we've had an international break with players going away, but we've also had a bit of illness in the camp. So it's been a mixed two weeks, but it didn't show in our performance and I guess the important bit there for me is is about the attitude and always wanting more always wanting just to better yourself and that is that's the bedrock that's the foundation of, of this Eddie Howe Eddie Howe Newcastle side yeah he's, he's he's stressed you know the exact same thing from the minute he got there and that, that you know the club don't rest on their laurels they're always trying to you know strive to get better strive to improve and Yes, there'll be a massive release. There'll be, you know, a relief. There'll be a massive, you know, wave of positivity across the side now that they've won after Saturday. But they won't rest on their laurels. It'll be kick on at Brentford. They'll right. How can we make sure we get better? Keep pushing up the table. Um, but yeah, look, that's just anyhow all over. He's been the the same since day dot, and I think you'll be the exact same till the day he leaves management. We've got there Darren Lee Welson dropping Joe Linton, who's done nothing wrong, was a great move from Howe, as it didn't upset the squad balance as they played Fulham off the park. Now, I'm going to drop in a bit of a harsh word. Eddie Howe says he was protecting them because he's picked up uh, injury. But let's say resting Joe Linton is just another example of Eddie Howe not being afraid to be ruthless because, as we've said before, there's not a chance previous managers were resting Botman. Not a chance. He, you know, under Steve Bruce, he would have been in that squad, no, in that starting eleven, no matter what. But we've seen, and the same with Bruno, we've seen Eddie Howe just be a bit ruthless and just do what he thinks is right for the team, as opposed to maybe what he thinks other people should do. And it's another example here. Yes, Julian may have picked up an, an injury, and that probably is the, 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 the top reason why. But mm-hmm. also, again, it shows that he's not afraid to drop. Arguably, you would say, or I will say, in my opinion one of the best performers Newcastle have had this season one of the most consistent performers yeah definitely and I think it was a type of game that would have suited him you know against Fulham on Saturday and Joel Linton definitely wanted to play having you know not played too much um, obviously didn't go away with Brazil they hadn't played too much in October he'll have been absolutely clamouring to play um, but I thought it was very very shrewd of him not to obviously it proved to be a good decision in the sense that it allowed Willock and uh, Longstaff to you know really impress but yeah, look, he's got options now and, and, he, and he's not afraid to use them. As you say, he, he, he makes a tough cause. That's what he's paid for. Um, and he doesn't mind upsetting a couple of players. Did Sean Longstaff do enough that on Saturday, potentially even with John Joe Shelby back in the mix as well, that he starts with 
Sean Longstaff, Joe Willick and Bruno? Or again, do you think he goes game by game basis? I think he goes, if Joe Linton's fit Saturday, I think he goes Joe Linton and Bruno Willick. Longstaff, as he said, is knocking on the door. Um, has done really well the last couple of weeks. Power really rates him, but I just think as soon as Bruno's, uh, sorry, as soon as Jolton's back fit, he goes back to Jolton, Bruno, and Willick. I think that's a three that he, um, that he likes at the minute. He showed that earlier this season. Shelby coming back makes it interesting because you think once Shelby's back up to speed, he would come back in. How there hasn't really been a period under how that he's left Shelby out. It means Bruno can push forward. And it works for three of them with Joel and, and this is where it's up to Willock and, and Longstaff to say no, you know, we need to be in there. Mm. I mean, I think we have missed Shelby and and this is why I say you treat this win against Fulham the scoreline kind of in isolation, you know, or you treat it where you remain grounded because you then look back at the Bournemouth game with the last twenty minutes, it was so just just blah one, it? it was ah oh, man. And I think it's gonna be really interesting to see how they do against Brentford who are now a decent Premier League outfit. It'll be 11 versus 11, you would think, unless someone gets stupidly sent off again. Um, I mean, they did last season, didn't they, De Silva with that <laughs> tackle. So, being, I mean, it would have been really interesting to see the outcome had this been 11 on 11. I know for the first eight minutes against Fulham, they did have their chances and they were looking like they wanted more dis- even before that red card. But it's, it, 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 you know, it's always a risk to get too far ahead of yourself when you've been playing against 10 men for what was, what, 80-odd minutes of the game? Yeah, I mean, look, we'll never know what the result would have been, but the first eight minutes before the, the sending off, I thought Newcastle looked in control. The away end was looked like it was one of the best in a long time, despite those real strikes. Um, you know, they had a couple of chances even when it was 11 v 11. So, as I've said earlier, you know, it was good to see them actually punish them um, after what's been happening the last couple of weeks. Brentford is a test, you know, I'm just reading here, eight games so far. They've only won two scored 15 goals and but I mean they've only won one in the last five so they're definitely beatable I think St James's Park will be ready for a you know a proper home game again after um the international break and after what we sort of said was quite a subdued game against um Bournemouth given obviously the you know the events that were leading up to it I think St James's Park will be rocking Saturday I think based off last week's performance Newcastle are going to be confident um and they just need to hope that they can build on Fulham and, and not take a step back. Uh, yeah, definitely. So I'm just going to point you again into the direction of that survey. If we could just take five minutes to fill it out. We have done here at Chronicle Towers. We've got, um, I'll just get Aaron to go through one of the questions. And it is the the priority uh, What we know for the new owners. Uh, what should be the next priority for the new owners is the question. And we give you multiple choice. Um, and the multiple choice answers are improving and redeveloping St. James's Park, moving to a new stadium, a new training ground, transfers, improving commercial business, developing the academy. So you're going to answer just that one. And hopefully you guys listening and watching will go and answer the other ones. Uh, but Aaron, what should the next priority for the owners be? Yeah, look, I think out of those options, I think for me it would be a new training ground. Um, I think they've you know, done very, very well to get so many changes made to, to Darsley Park in such a short period of time. Much needed improvements. But I think if Newcastle really want to go to that next level, um, you know, they really need a new state-of-the-art training ground somewhere else in the city. 
Um, and I think look at some look at some of those other options that we've given fans in this survey. I think transfers you can't really say that they've put a foot wrong with transfers. I think um, they've already improved St James's Park to a new end, and I think moving to a new stadium is just completely out of the question at this point in time. So I think a new training ground is, is what I'd go for. Um, but look, I, we're, we're very, very keen to see what fans think about it. So yeah, please do, please do fill out the survey. Yeah, we'll have a special podcast with Sam Mulner from Newcastle Fans TV where he will go through all the questions in that survey. But we really want you guys to fill in the survey. A few comments here that we're getting in live on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, Jules Hagen Christian says, Botman needs to be regular. He's better than Burn, in my opinion, although he likes Burn too. Darren agrees there with you. Aaron, he says it has to be a training ground as the current ground, uh, training ground is of League One standard. I have seen a few people claim that. Um, on the away end that you mentioned there, the um, is a brilliant effort from Newcastle fans given the train strikes. I'm sure everyone's seen the video of uh, what must be the majority of the away end outside a door at Craven Cottage <laughs> and Amanda Staveley and Deck from Ant and Deck appear and... You know, Deck doesn't want to go back inside. Yeah. He, he'd be out there with them all. And he's absolutely... If you haven't seen it right, it's on our Facebook. It's on our Twitter. Uh, there's a few uh, uh, visions of the footage going around. Absolutely brilliant. And, and what I love about that video is that, look, despite the man's success, and let's not get it right, he's a wealthy man, you know, sitting up in the director's box. He's just a Newcastle United supporter at heart and I absolutely love that absolutely brilliant and I think you know as you say he stood in the doorway all the fans are chanting he just looks like he wants to be out there I think he's going to start and you've, saw, you've sort of got Amanda Stavely pulled him back from doing that and <laughs> putting the arm around him and saying he can't do that but I mean it's just like it's just night and day isn't it can you imagine Deck Ant and Deck doing that with Mike Ashley in the last eight years maybe in the first year of the takeover when he was in the away and down in Pints but uh yeah, look, absolutely fantastic. I thought the away end, there's a brilliant Sean Longstaff quote on on Saturday after the game where he says, um, he's asked about the away end and, and Longstaff says, um, you can make it as hard for them as they want to get down, train strikes, rail strikes, whatever. They'll still they'll still find a way to get there and support the team. I thought it was an absolutely brilliant away end from start to finish. You could hear the noise. Just amazing. And there was a special guest in the away end as well, wasn't there? I, I mean... If Goran Kual, the new signing, the 18-year-old from Australia, wanted a taste of life at Newcastle, I don't think you could get better than a 4-1 away end at Craven Cottage because, I mean, I bet he got mobbed more than Deck probably. I mean, every single photo I've seen on social media, he's got about 10, 10 fans with his arms around him. But I, would, I would love to know the selfie count. <laughs> yeah, I bet he's thinking, God, next time I'm going to uh, I'm gonna wear a bit of a disguise. But yeah, <laughs> look, uh, brilliant to see him in the away end. Um and I think, you know, what a perfect game for him to come and watch oh, um, after he's just signed. But yeah, look, in terms of uh, an afternoon, it was an absolute Carlsberg afternoon. Wasn't it? Everything went right for them. Um, and look, long may it continue. And just on QR, and what does the future hold for him? I mean, it, it, we, they, they must hold him in high regard to go out on the, on the, on the mm. effort they have done um, to, to unveil him, you know, with some youngsters that come in it's very much a little press release they've signed this guy but yeah. this guy's had he's had the full works so like he's a like it's been a proper uh, summer kind of signing so they must they must really have big expectations of him yeah 100% I mean look he has not even started a game for Central Coast Mariners um, 
he's only made seven sub appearances, but from what he's done in those sub appearances, you know, he had real suitors, you know, Barcelona, you know, he even had Xavi coming out after a friendly in the summer saying, I can't believe this guy's 17. Um, you know, clubs in the Bundesliga thought they might have a chance of stealing them. Newcastle United have pulled off a real coup, they believe, here by getting him in ahead of all these other clubs. Um, so, yeah, look, he joins officially in January. He'll, he'll go back out on loan, probably in Europe, um, given that he doesn't actually currently have a UK work permit. Hopefully he gets into the Australia uh, World Cup team, which would, would sort of aid that push. Um, and then, yeah, look, he gets better in with all the others in the, in the academy, but he really looks like one to watch in the years to come. I would like to know whose likely points he had, though. That yeah, way. I mean, like as you say, it's hard enough getting tickets as a diehard fan. I don't know how he's managed to sneak in there. So maybe he's used Dex away ticket while he's in the <laughs> while he's in the boardroom. Fair play to the lad. Some great images, as Aaron says, of Kyle in the away end. Well, this has been the Everything is Black and White podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. Like I say, if you are on YouTube, please remember to hit that subscribe button. And if you're on the podcast channel, please like and follow. We'll be back throughout this week because, um, well, there's a pretty big anniversary to celebrate. It is 12 months um, of the Newcastle United new ownership. I think with 12 months having been on the clock, we can stop calling them new now. We had this discussion, didn't we? Yeah, I can finally start writing new owners. Stop writing stop. new owners in, in articles. Yeah, it's just owners now. So finally, yeah. we're going to look back on uh, what the last 12 months has is, is meant to you guys as fans. We're going to speak to quite a few fans and get their take on what was a tremendous night up at St. James's Park, what's happened since, and what the future holds as well. And there's going to be plenty of great content online at chroniclelive.co.uk as well. Looking back at 12 months of Amanda Stavely, Jamie Rubin and the Public Investment Fund as Newcastle United owners. But for the meantime, thank you very much for tuning in. I've been Andrew Musgrove alongside Aaron Stokes. This has been the Everything is Black and White podcast.